Good morning, Wellspring family. A special thanks. As we sing sometimes songs we might not know all the words to. And of course, it's on a Sunday uh, when Kelsey is new. Her first Sunday doing this, and the computer just stopped working. <laughs> Kelsey, we see you. <laughs> Thank you for helping us find words to sing together as we lift up our hearts to the Lord, because that's what matters. Yeah, we can give her a little, oh, Kelsey. <laughs> Man, on the first Sunday, I'm like, please come back again, Kelsey. <laughs> well, it's usually not this bad or scary. <laughs> so if it's your, it's your first Sunday here, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. If it's your first Sunday in a while, um, I'm just thankful for this chance to be together, to sing songs we might not even know all the words to, but to know that as we do this, somehow we are in the presence of the divine. We're in the presence of God who made us and who loves us and knows all the words, knows each one of us, calls us by name. So today, friends, um, we're going to be looking at a text. Um, it's a very short one, but um, I was reminded of, of something that happened this summer as I was getting ready for the message for today. And um, as some of you know, Dan and I, we went on a trip. Um, our family went on a trip to visit my sister and her family in Florida. And as we were preparing for it, my, um, my husband Dan and I, uh, we created a Google document. It's like a Google Doc um, of all these to-dos and to-don'ts for the very nice lady who was house-sitting our house for us. And um, we know we're both contributing to this document together. I'm a little embarrassed to say by the end of it, it was like four pages long. I actually printed it out. I was going to show it to you, and I forgot it at Robbie's computer. <laughs> so it's like four pages long, full of like to-dos and to-don'ts. I mean, this poor lady, it's all about our cat. It's like how to care for our cat. So of course, you know, when the house, when the house um, um, sitter came, the first thing she did was take a picture of the cat, you know, to let us know, like, the cat's here and okay. And, oh, I think I'm in a different um, category right now. We'll find it in a second. Um, anyway, just imagine a small cat on the floor. The house sitter was letting us know, um, I'm here, I'm reading your to-do list, and I will take care of your cat. Okay, I'm going to just leave that for a second. So you can imagine a cat, right? And a really long to-do list. Here we go. It's helping us out here. Thanks, guys. So it's probably embarrassing. It was probably like too much of a to-do list. It was just a little bit much. Our text for today comes at a time where Jesus is leaving on a journey, but he's not going on vacation. It's a journey of suffering and death. And where he's going, his disciples can't come with him. He can't really give them messages like how he used to. And so can you imagine the to-do list he wanted to share with them? The to-do list or the to-don't list? Can you imagine how long that might be? I mean, it's not just a cat. It's like all of humanity. It's like everything. I mean, what would you, how would you even begin? Like, if I were running the to-do list, I would have probably begun with like who, whoever was in the room. And I'd be like, start leaving them individual messages. Like, James, I know you have a hard time loving your brother. Start putting your faith into practice. Peter, yes, you're going to deny me, but just keep heart. You know, that's not the end of the story. You know, it always gets worse before it gets better. You know, everybody put an extra set of clothes on, because once, once they come for me in the garden, there's going to be some wrestling, and you might lose your tunic, and I don't want any of you to be embarrassed while running away naked. Does that happen? <laughs> you can laugh, or is it too soon? <laughs> yeah, like, I would have had such a detailed list of to-dos and to-don'ts. And yet, at the Last Supper together, when Jesus is there with his, with his friends, with his disciples, he does share a lot of things with them. He shares comfort and peace and words of wisdom with them. But he only gives them, rather than many commands or commandments, Jesus gives them only one. One. Only one. He says this, 
I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. That's it. That's the to-do list. That's it right there. It's not four pages on a Google Doc. It's not like endless list of books. It is one thing. And that goes to number one in your notes if you're following along online or here in person. Number one in your notes, Jesus leaves his friends with a new commandment to love one another. Right there in the text. Jesus leaves his friends with a new commandment to love one another. Now, if you look back through, you know, humanity's whole long history of interaction with God, there have been plenty of old commandments, like so many of them. I mean, some of you, um, when you think of commandments, you know, the famous 10 might come to mind. Or maybe the old movie, Ten Commandments. I used to watch it with my mom and grandma with Charlton Heston from the 50s. Was not alive in the 50s, but the movie is still playing. Now, the Ten Commandments are actually comprised, um, are actually part of a larger set of commandments of, of, of the law called the Torah. In, in Judaism, the Torah is um, the first five books of the Hebrew scriptures, and it comprises all of the teachings of the law. And the idea behind the Torah in Judaism is this idea that God, who transcends all nature and who is responsible for the very fabric, the very ground of our existence, this God actually cares about how we live and treat each other down here and wants the way we live to be, you know, a, a good testament, sort of point the way to God's goodness. That's the idea behind the Torah. And just as we saw last week how God worked with one family, with Abraham and Sarah, who were open to God and and had a vision of God, like, working good in the world through them. And just as God worked with this one family with the hope of blessing every single family, every people on earth. So the Torah was given. So the Hebrew people, who were a cultural and ethnic minority of their day, so they could display through their justice, through the ways that they were more equitable, through the way they cared for the poor, they could be a light to all the nations around them. That was sort of the idea in this ancient, ancient times, beginning of, beginning of some of humanity's stories, that they could be a light. God choosing something small and seemingly insignificant to be goodness to those around them. So that's the idea behind the Torah. So the Torah was given to be a marking of community to display the goodness of God. So here, Jesus is giving a new commandment to be the marking of community to display the goodness of God. Because Jesus is leaving, right? They're not going to be able to see him. But you know what they will be able to see? They will be able to see the love that we share. Verse 35 says this, This is how people will know you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So reflection question as we just move through some of these passages today is, as a Christian, how does my love stand out from the rest? And if you don't identify as a Christian, if you're not one yet, um, you can just, I mean, my question is, how does it feel that you're participating in one of the markers of Jesus' followers? You're already participating somehow. Does my love stand out? So we have this idea, you know, all throughout scripture that the Torah was given, right, to the ancient Hebrew people to be a witness By the time we get to Jesus, though, it's been thousands of years since the Torah was given. Oh, and I just had to show you this little meme. This is Jesus checking in on the church. He's like, why is nobody loving their neighbor? I specifically requested it. (laughs) Forgot that was in there. Yes. Okay, so moving on. So thousands of years have passed since the Torah was given, right? By the time we get to Jesus, actually, they are trying to grapple with how to interpret these laws, how to be a witness for changing times. They don't really know exactly how to do this, and they have, like, different groups of people that have their own take on, like, how to interpret the law. And Jesus was interacting with these different groups of people all the time, whether they be, like, the Sadducees or the, the um, Pharisees or they be teachers of the law. These are all different groups of people that had their own take. How do we interpret the Torah? 
for changing times, right? Because the Torah was given in a, in a very ancient world. Many things had changed, like a lot of the reasons behind the old laws were lost. They were no longer culturally needed. And so in Jesus' ministry, these people would come to Jesus and be like, well, how would you interpret this commandment? What would you say about the Torah? And in Matthew 22, this one teacher of the law comes to Jesus and asks him, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answers with this, talking about the Torah. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So basically here, Jesus is emphasizing that the underlying structure to all the commandments, all the Torah, the thing that doesn't change amidst all the things that do is love. Love is the underlying structure. Now, Dan and I, we share this little, this very little closet in our house. And um, when we first started sharing it, it was like equitably shared. You know, he had half, I had half. And then as we've lived here for like almost what, going on four years now, I've kind of gradually taken over the closet. The poor man has like just a tiny, like couple Aloha shirts hanging there now. <laughs> like It's like basically my closet. I'm sorry, Dan, it's not very loving of me. <laughs> But this idea that, like, you know, when, when the hot weather comes, uh, we, we take the things off of the, out of the closet, off of the hangers, you remove the hangers themselves if they're a little old or, you know, bent. Um, we take the things out that are no longer needed. Like, it's kind of hot, I can probably put my long sleeve stuff away, although inexplicably, I'm wearing one today. <laughs> it can be like 100 degrees or something. Like, we take things off of the hangers, but the underlying structure of the closet remains the same, sadly for us. <laughs> But with, with Jesus, Jesus is saying love is the structure that never changes, even though different things may hang on it. And all the law and the prophets hangs on this underlying structure. So not only is love the underlying structure to the previous commandments, but the new commandment to love sums up. It fulfills and sums up the rest. This is number two in your notes. Jesus' new commandment fulfills and sums up the rest. Actually, I remember when I was going to college, this was like early 2000s, there was all this news about um, these different lawsuits that were happening about whether or not you could display the Ten Commandments, like in courthouses or schools. And I remember um, thinking at the time, like, you know, I, I don't remember thinking much about it at the time, but as I look back on it, I think to myself, why, why were they fighting about the Ten Commandments? Why is nobody like, hey, let's do Jesus' new commandment, which sums up and fulfills the rest? Nobody is fighting to put that one anywhere. I'm like, why is that? Why is nobody wanting to put the love one another as I have loved you? Like, this fulfills and sums up the rest. And I think there, we have some inner resistance to letting this scripture actually fulfill and sum up the rest. And the thing is, scripture itself is what tells us about it. Galatians 5 says this, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. You see that word fulfilled? It's there. Look at this next one. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. Whatever other command there may be are summed up, emphasis mine, in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. You see those two words summed up in fulfillment? And here we are, still hankering after the, the long, long laws, the, the many-paged Google Docs, when one is given to us that fulfills and sums up the rest. Now, for those of us that like to follow rules, this one commandment can be a bit of a letdown. I'm to focus on one, that one. That one's really hard. 
I'll have to like figure out what it means. I'd rather like pat myself on the back than I'm following most of the Ten Commandments. I did most of those. That's pretty good. Now, some of us are more concerned with keeping the rules, and so we can kind of have a little bit of letdown that there's only one. Others of us aren't. We're like, screw the rules. They're made to be broken. The question for us, whether you identify as a rule breaker or a rule follower, reflection question is, do I tend to be more concerned about the rules or about living a life characterized by love? Am I more concerned about rules, like keeping them or, you know, pushing them or breaking them? Or am I more concerned about living a life characterized by love? This includes love, a friend, family, stranger, self, God, neighbor, enemy. It's like living into this, this new commandment, right? If we're going to take a temperature check, like, ooh, how, how does this feel for me? Living into this new commandment of Jesus means that our lives are characterized by love. They're characterized by joy, by peace, by goodness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, goodness, the whole list of fruit of the Spirit. This is what love births in us. This is how love grows in us, right? As we live a life formed by love, our life should begin to look a little bit like that famous love passage in 1 Corinthians 13, often read at weddings. I think I read it at mine. Somebody read it at mine. That wonderful passage that talks about how love is patient and kind, keeps no record of wrongs, is not self-seeking, does not envy or boast. That whole wonderful passage, what is to describe us? And ultimately, it describes God, who is love. Am I more concerned about the rules? Am I more concerned about growing in love? Moving to number three, born-again life is a life growing in love. A born-again life is a life growing in love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. It's just a couple words here. They're absolutely transformative. They can change everything about the way we view ourselves, people around us, our world. They, they change how we approach God. How do we come to God? Are we afraid to come to God because we've had this image of God in our head that is actually not who God is? What would life be like if we trusted that God is love? See, the thing is, Jesus came so that we could live this way so that we could be reborn to live lives of transformation. Just like little children learning, learning something new, we're called to live into this new life, growing in love. Right? We don't have to be afraid. I love how so many times in Scripture, whenever there's like some kind of like mystical experience or there's like a liminal space, and suddenly an angel appears, how like the first thing they say is like, don't be afraid. So that tells me two things. Either like angels are super, super scary, which is probably true. <laughs> and also it tells me there's something about being the presence of the sacred or the divine that can put us a little off. It's a little foreign to us. I feel like when you're accustomed, when you're accustomed to, to love that isn't quite healing or love that is manipulative or love that is more about control or power over, it can feel a little bit weird to be in the presence of unconditional love. Kind of like if you're used to eating junk food all the time, which I won't say I am, but I do love it. Then when I have like a really healthy meal, there's like part of me that's like, wow, this is so good for me. I don't feel junk afterwards, but also feels a little weird. I'm like, oh, the celery was so crunchy. <laughs> Should just get a juicer. 
<laughs> this idea that like, we don't have to be afraid of God. We don't have to be afraid of God. And Jesus comes so that we can be reborn to live a life growing in love. If you could just take a moment and think about like the best, your best experience of love. Maybe it was with um, a furry friend. Maybe it's with a pet. Maybe it's with a partner or a spouse who loves you well. Maybe it's between you and your child or your, grandchild, your grandparent. Just think of an experience of love. Chances are it feels good. Does it feel good? Well, God's love is the source of all other kinds of love which are just a little shadow, a little echo of the best love of all. And it's that love that impelled God's own self to come, to come into our world, to show us what a life growing in love looks like. Now, when I look at Jesus' life, I I see that he offers peace to the world, right? He offers peace instead of participating in violent systems. Whenever things could go violent, Jesus finds a way to defuse it, but also to challenge where people are. So we're not just peacekeeping, but peacemaking. When I look at Jesus' life, I see that he worked to really undo all the curses people place on each other, the judgments people place on each other. Jesus broke all the taboos, so many of the taboos of his time. We only have like a couple things written out that he did, but I can imagine if we were around, we would understand why everybody wanted to kill him. Usually you have to step on a lot of toes to be able to get in that place. Jesus is touching leopards, talking with, you know, people of, you know, dubious moral character he's not supposed to talk to. Jesus doesn't care. He doesn't care where you're from, you know, what ails you, where you've been, who you keep company with. He is there in life with them, inviting people to grow in love. It was love that spurred Jesus, that spurred God on to fully identify with us in the hell of our violence, our selfishness, our unhappiness, unforgiveness, pride. Jesus fully identifies with the pain we heap on each other, right? Because in Jesus, God actually becomes the scapegoat. God's like, you're out for blood, humanity. You can have mine. If heads will roll, take mine. You're you're out. You're out to cast somebody out. Cast me out. Jesus fully identifies with us in all the ways that we are violent and we, we put pain in on each other in the ways that we're stuck. Jesus enters into that hell and says, here, pick me. If you have to spill blood, spill mine. I'm here to show you this can be a better way. He comes to not just show us a better way, but empower us to do it as he undoes the knot that we've tied from the inside out. On the cross, Jesus becomes the curse, the curse we place on each other, the curses we're born into, the traumas we undergo, the family systems of shame and blame we perpetuate. Jesus becomes the curse. Because of it, he is able to untie the knot from the inside out. He is able to unfurl us from the ways we've become twisted and tied up. There's actually any bad news in this commandment of Jesus, this new commandment. There's any bad news is that love is not a protective bubble. There's any bad news is that when we love, we open ourselves to someone else and we open the possibility of pain. Right? If we seek love, and to be formed and shaped by love by all, uh, over all else, it's not going to aid us in our personal quests for power or control or more money. Right? Because love is something you re- request, but you can't buy it. Right? You can seek it, but you can't force it. In one way, I actually feel like it's a little iffy that God hinges the whole hope of the world on love. Why does God do that? That's kind of nuts. Do you think God would want something like more sure? 
But love, you can't make that happen. As, as we think about love and as we move to these next four weeks in this, in this sermon series called Good and Kind and Beautiful, um, we're going to be looking at what, what is love this week? Why don't we do more of it? What are the forces that keep us apart, keep us alienated from our own selves? And then what are better ways of working wholeness? How does God come to free us? What do specific practices look like that can help reshape us? And how can we learn to walk a better way? That's what we're looking at. It's kind of a lot for four weeks, but <laughs> Pastor Cheryl will, will, will do most of that next week, right? <laughs> so the reflection question for now, that's where we're going with good and kind and beautiful. The question, question right now is like, how important to me is growing in love? And like, sometimes it's not very important for me. Like, I have other things on my to-do list, things that are really urgent that need to get done. Like, I'll love later. Or don't they know that I'm doing all this just because I love them? <laughs> so just a check-in for yourself. How important to me is growing in love? What does that look like for me? Because, yeah, there's some bad news with this, right? The bad news is that, you know, we, we don't have a whole set of laws to follow that'll make us feel good about ourselves. Right? The bad news is that we're not protected from pain or suffering. In fact, love opens us up into the possibility of more pain. But there's a lot of good news, right? And some of the good news in this text is that at the heart of following Jesus, the reborn life, right? It means a life of becoming more yourself, becoming more human, becoming the best that God created you to be. As we're formed and shaped in love, right? Because love is the only thing that ever changes anybody. As we're formed and shaped in love, we can spread God's love around us. So it's a picture of increasing blessing and of goodness, just kind of like we saw last week with God's call to Abram and Sarah. Love is what called um, this Dominican friar. So he's, you know, in the Catholic church. His name was Antonio de Montesinos. I got to get it right. Antonio de Montesinos. It was a Sunday before Christmas in 1511. And he stood up in his very, in his church full of like very privileged, you know, Spanish colonial settlers. And they were, you know, in what they called the new world. They were in this island um, in the Caribbean. And he said, I'm going to preach the strangest words you're ever about to hear. It's like, you, this is going to sound like the strangest and most awful words you've ever heard, but I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. And historians say that like this very fiery sermon he preached is the first time that we have a public, a public um, protest about the kind of treatment that the Spaniards were doing in what they call the new world. He stood up there and he, he totally decried the way that they treat the laborers, the way that they're killing them with their lust for gold, the way that they don't, um, they don't feed them, they don't take care of them, they're not, they're not coming alongside them, they are at war with them, even though they're peaceable, just living in their own land. It's a very fiery sermon. And when I read it, I was filled with this vision of love he had, because love does not do that. Love is what caused him to risk so much his career, his life, his very body, to speak truth, to say this is not right. He says, are these not people? Have they not rational souls? Are you not bound to love them as you love yourself? And as the Spanish colonizers raped and spread disease and stole land and wealth and took what they wanted for their own gain, there was a minority of Jesus' followers, people who loved, who said stop. It was love that caused a woman to go back to the city that she'd experienced a lot of trauma in. I have here a picture of Tian Fun Wu, and this was like, I think in the 1800s, she was sold by her father in China to be a, um, a child servant, um, Muay Thai in San Francisco. 
And after being rescued, um, she, she found a sponsor for her education over on the East Coast, and she went there. And after she graduated, she actually chose to go back to San Francisco, to the city where she had you know, been trafficked. And she actually went to the rescue home that she initially landed in, and she stayed there first as an aide and then as a co-director for the rest of her life. She never married or had kids, which were sort of like the normal things you used to do back then. And instead, she spent her entire life caring and advocating for these women who needed a safe place. It was love that caused the microbiologist and scientist uh, Louis Pasteur to, to really dig into what causes disease and to come up with ways that absolutely revolutionized the medical world and laid, laid the way for vaccines and that in public health, it's because of him that like millions of people stopped dying and women stopped dying in labor because you know, doctors weren't washing their hands in between delivering babies. It was, it was love. It was a vision birthed out of the Gospels, this idea that there's healing in the world and it can come about through people like me. That's what he saw when he read about Jesus. That was the vision that impelled him to be a scientist he was. See, every single bit of good in our world, every single bit of good in our world has come from people shaped and impelled by love. We know the names of many. There might be people coming to your mind right now that were like, this person did so much good, and this person, and this person. You know, there are millions still of people we do not know the names of who chose to open their hearts and risk suffering the suffering that can come from loving and loving in public. Friends, if you identify today as a rule follower, my prayer is that Jesus' command to love in ways that are visible and identifiable, that this will be the rule you follow the most closely. If you have to follow a rule, follow this one. If you identify as more of a rule breaker, then let love be the why behind your advocacy. Let it be the, the why behind your actions. If you identify as a born-again Christian, may God's newness in you take the form of growing love. Let that be the new life that you're birthed into. If you consider yourself spiritual but not religious, may you be open to the truth that somehow at the core of love, there is a divine being who is calling you, seeking you, wanting the best for you, wanting to know you in this life and the next. The end of our lives Galatians 5 says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts now and later is faith expressing itself through love. Now, this past week, um, as I close, I, I actually got hurt this past week. It was kind of like a, a silly thing. I was snorkeling at Pupukea, I think it was Pupukea, and um, I was with children. I didn't want to get kicked by someone who was, you know, a child in front of me who was kicking, so I put my hand on a rock formation, and I pushed off, which you're never supposed to do. I mean, everybody knows that, right? But I, I guess I really didn't want to get kicked in the face, so I pushed off, and then I could just, there was a lot of gravel on my hand. I was trying to brush it away, and then I realized I wasn't brushing away gr gravel. I was brushing away sea urchin spines. Oh, I think I have a picture. You can't see it very well here, but I had five in just one finger, and then another five throughout the hand, and it was right around the joint area, and that can be a little complicated as it dissolves. And as a piano player, I'm like, oh, I need full mobility and dexterity. There was also the part of me that's thinking, dang, aren't they poisonous? And I can't, I'm not getting great reception on my phone, but like, what if I go into shock? I mean, clearly I'm not gonna go into shock. I'm a little bit of a worry ward. <laughs> 
So, but you know, the kids in the car were like, by the time we get in the car, we're like we got to go to the doctor, you know, I'm, I'm a little worried, like, do I need surgery? And I'm trying to play it chill though, because you know, there's kids in the car and my youngest child who's in the car goes, today is the day my mom dies. <laughs> today is the day. And he's just saying in this mournful yet very, you know, confident, matter of fact tone. And I was like, no, oh no, no, don't worry. Mom's not going to die today. <laughs> you know, like there, there might be some burning in my hand. I'm just going to ignore that. But like, this is not the day that I die. You know, I promise you I'm not going to die today. <laughs> and yet at some point in time, at some point in time, I'm not going to be able to make that promise. At some point in time, who knows when, I will be unable to keep that promise. Will I have loved well if the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love? You know, when I look at myself, I think I hold my, myself in probably to too high standards. I don't practice the kind of self-compassion I would invite everybody else to do. I'm learning to have good boundaries so I'm not exploited or hurt by others. And I'm learning to love my human family. I'm learning to listen to them. I invite them to sense God's movement in us. I'm learning to love the Christians who hurt me growing up and, and people whose, I think their theology is like really harmful. I'm learning to love those people, my enemies. <laughs> I'm learning to love those who don't love me back. I'm learning to love God and be loved in return. Friends, what would our lives be like if we obeyed this new commandment, this final commandment of Jesus? the one that sums up and fulfills all the rest. What would our world be like if we said, yeah, I will. I will live this way. This will be the markers of my new birth. At the end of the day, who will keep Jesus' commandment to love? Who will be the answer to Christ's prayers? Willing to love as Jesus loved, willing to suffer, but also to live out the good, the beautiful, and the kind. Let's pray. Lord, it's, it's actually hard to, to imagine your love because so many of us uh, have experienced the opposite of love. Lord, in the safety of this moment, surrounded by your presence, we invite you to Take notice of where we are, even as we take stock, take temperature of where we're at. If it feels like the right moment for you, you can even pray a prayer like, Lord, I invite you to come into those places where I feel I've been rejected, where I've been wounded, where others have condemned me. Perhaps this is the moment to say, Lord, I am sorry for the way I have not loved. I'm sorry for the way I have cared more about following letters of old commandments rather than living into the underlying structure, holding them all up. I'm sorry, Lord. I have brought pain into this world and I want to be part of your new life. Help me to focus on the thing that is most important. Perhaps you're not really even sure and you're just kind of processing or you're tired and so you heard like maybe a third of what I said. That's totally fine. In this moment, I invite you to just be still and let God love you. Whether you're listening online or at home or later on in our podcast, this is a great time to just breathe deeply. God's breath in your lungs. Say, God, I open myself to experience your love. 
I open myself to look at Jesus. You in the flesh. To accept him, to believe he is who he says he is, and to have new life in his name. Maybe you're just tired. Like, I can barely get through life. I can't add something else on, you know. Like, love is at the bottom of my to-do list. In this moment, may you sense God's compassion for you, God's love for you, calling you nearer, bringing peace, bringing God's order to your chaos. Lord, lastly, for us as a church, as a whole human community here, help us to sink in to this new command. Help us to follow it, not because we have to, but because we are so transformed by your love that that is the natural outpouring of our life. Help us to be a healing community. People who love you and want others to experience your transformative life in them. We pray all our prayers, those spoken, those unspoken, the questions raised in our hearts. We lift everything up before you right now. In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, knowing you are God who sees, who is here, who is bringing the good, kind, and beautiful life all around us.